Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. day. This is the day the Lord has made. Uh, We are rejoicing. We are glad in it. Let me just go ahead and go on record here and say I I am not particularly good at geography, but um, I'm going to try to say this in in the most like beneficial to public education way as possible. Um, Colorado does border a border state. So uh, that will be the grace that I will extend. Um, I have been in public speaking situations where I have misspoken about something. And so I do feel like every once in a while we need to extend grace. And uh, we're living in a time when literally every single word is parsed. And Colorado does border a border state. Nat, am I right? It's been a long time since I've been in school. But Colorado does border a border state. It's true. It, it It's right there across Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, so for those of you not totally up to speed on the geography of uh, of the American West, Colorado is bordered by Wyoming to the north, Nebraska to the northeast, Kansas to the east, Oklahoma to the southeast, New Mexico uh, to the south, Utah to the west. And it touches Arizona um, in the southwest at what is called the Four Corners. If you've never been to the Four Corners, like that's a particularly really cool place to go because you can. I, you can't straddle all four states because you don't actually have four feet, but you can stand, um, you know, like you can stand in any two states at the same time at the four corners. And that's kind of a cool thing to do if, you know, you need something to do. Um, okay, so um, I was planning on sharing with you this morning something that then, of course, now as I start to consider sharing it, I hesitate. And because it's because it's super personal. And I recognize that... Um, Sometimes this uh, very intimate medium of radio where you and I get together uh, every single day and we talk with each other about what's going on in our hearts and in our lives and in the world. Um, Sometimes we can do so in a way that keeps one another at, you know, kind of arm's length. And so I thought, well, today I'm I'm just going to go ahead and put my arms down and and be really vulnerable. And so I'm going to lift up a personal prayer request and just ask you to pray for me. Um, so I was preparing for a conversation that we thought we were having today about friendship and about distinctively Christian friendship. And so I want to uh, I wanted to just basically share this prayer request, which is I I need a friend. I, I like need a real friend. And the reason that I need a new friend um, is that one of my very dearest friends, my best friend where I live. Um, she died three years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed uh, on a Sunday with a very advanced, really, uh, cancer that was just everywhere in her whole body, um, and she died 11 days later. And so uh, her name was Susan, and I have no doubt that you know Susan is living eternally in the fullness of the presence of our Lord and Savior, and she is having a grand and a great time. 
Uh, so I, I don't uh, I don't despair at all uh, in terms of that. And for that, I am tremendously grateful. But since then, I have really had this profound need to make a new friend, a real friend. And I have deep friendships with my sister and my best friend from high school. But both of them live like literally half a nation away from me. And so I, I am at a stage of life where I need to make a new friend where I live. And I am finding it really difficult. I'm finding it really difficult um, because what my heart really wants isn't a new friend. What my heart really wants is an old friend, right? I want to make a new friend who is an old friend where I live. And, uh, and so um, I know we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm just going to roam around in this question and this conversation um, about how how we cultivate friendships at this stage of life. How do we actually make a new old friend when you're 51, in my case? All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so if you if you actually just Google how to make an old friend, uh, you will actually find that there is there are a lot of people out there with a lot of opinions about people like me who feel like we need to make a new friend, but really the kind of friend that we want is the kind of friend that an old friend is, a friend who already you know knows your history, a friend who already you know you don't have to um, you don't have to tell them how you feel about everything because they already instinctively, you know, sort of resonate and know because you have walked in valleys of the shadow of death and you have celebrated together and you have, you know, you have, you have done things together that have created enough of a history that, uh, that there are things that can go unspoken and yet completely heard and understood. But at various stages uh, along life's path, we find ourselves in need of making new friends. And I don't know about you, but I am at one of those stages in life. And so one of the things that uh, actually somebody recently told me was I should stop telling people that <laughs> that I need to make a new friend because it makes me sound, now I mean, just, just tell you, I can tell you that right now, I just decided that when this person said this, <clears throat> I didn't want them to be a friend. Uh, they said, okay, Carmen, if you if you keep saying to people, that you are lacking right now in a really substantial like best friend friendship outside of you know outside of your husband and your sister and your best friend from high school like if you if you like start going on record and you start saying to people you know you know I, I'm I'm really like looking to make a dear friend um, this person actually said you know that that just like says that just screams to other people here is a person who is not friend worthy <laughs> and I thought wow. Okay, so that is really hurtful. Don't ever say that to somebody who is looking to make a friend. And um, and so part of the challenge is that we live in a transient culture. I mean, people do move. Um, people's relationships change. They change jobs. They move out of our life for various and sundry reasons. And people die. And that um, that is a reality. And that is, you know, the truth of my own you know, friend situation here where I live now. And so um, I just, uh, I think that I don't just want, you know, like any friend, right? I, I want a, a real friend, a true friend. So I'm open to your counsel on this. I do have thousands, yes, thousands of casual acquaintances. 
uh, or acquaintance-level friendships. But I can honestly say that since Susan died three years ago, I have not been able to cultivate a genuine heart-level friendship, and it makes me sad. And I know that it's a lot for me to unload in such a public way, in such a public place. Um, But I suspect I am not actually alone in my desire to make a real friend at this stage of life. As a mature Christian looking to make a make a friend out of another mature Christian woman in order that, uh, you know, together we can encourage one another uh, and be friends. So I'm open to your ideas. How do I move from casual acquaintance to real friendship uh, with another mature Christian woman in my community who is probably just as busy as I am and dealing with all the demands of work and marriage and kids and aging parents and on and on and on? Uh, I'm open to your counsel. You can text me your ideas at 877-933-2484. You can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. If somebody out there is super brave and wants to call, I don't know, Nat, if somebody is super brave and wants to call, will we let them through? I can let them through, yeah. All right. So if somebody's super brave and wants to call and give me some counsel on making a true Christian friend at this stage of life, you can call 877-933-2484, and uh, Nat will will put you on, and we can talk about it. Uh, But most importantly, pray for me. Uh, and pray for, uh, you know, pray for my my future friend, right? Or future friends. Maybe God wants to bring me more than one. So I have tested the water. For those of you who say, well, you know, in order to make a friend, you have to, like, put yourself out there. So I have actually tested the water with a few women with whom I know I have a lot in common. Um, and let me just say that rejection hurts at 51 just as badly as it hurt at 10 When I passed Robin Petrie a note in the fifth grade asking her to be my friend, and she wrote no across the question and passed it back. (laughs) So um, rejection is real uh, when, you know, when you're in the fifth grade, and it's real when you're 50. And so I just want to put this out there because um, I, I suspect I'm not the only person who is challenged to make a real new friend at this stage of life. So if you've got counsel for me, you can call or text 877-933-2484, or you can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, I already want to thank you in advance. People are texting in. Cindy says, uh, same, my best friend moved away. I'm listening with rapt attention. Thank you for this discussion. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, Jessica says, uh, poor Robin Petrie, if only she knew the effect she had on you in fifth grade. Yes, indeed. Robin Petrie, if you're listening, it's an opportunity to to be redeemed here. Um, And Jessica then talks about places where she has made some new friends, uh, a prayer warrior lady in her neighborhood who is 79, a lady at her workout place who, you know, she just felt like really needed a friend and um, and so Jessica, it sounds like, took the time um, to to just talk with her and move out of busy mode into relational mode. Um, all right. And uh, and. All right. We have James from Superior, Wisconsin, who has called in. James, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. You're you're we don't ever do this. We don't ever open the phone line. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. What is your counsel to me? Well, my counsel is, as I was uh is his name Matt? That answered the phone. Yes. Oh, it's Nat, Nat. Nat. Yes, Nat, okay. who we also call William the Falconer, just for fun. <laughs> okay. Well, as I was telling him this morning, I was just saying, you know, our number one best friend, the one we should have a relationship, is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. 
and he cares about every fabric of our being, everything that we need, that we want. He gives us the desires of our heart, you know. So if we need a friend, we ask, and he'll bring the people into our lives, I feel, that we need for whether it be a small moment of time, a large moment of time. And, you know, it doesn't need to be someone of our age. It could be, excuse me, it could be an elder, someone younger. It doesn't have to be someone with the same likings and, you know, stuff that we have in common because a a good friend you don't always have stuff in common with, kind of like your husband or your mate in life. You just got to find someone, and I believe in friendship, someone equally yoked that they believe, you know, have the same beliefs you have and, you know, have their own opinions on them, but yet someone you can confide in, give you good advice, and just uh, someone you can rely on. That'll be I love that. I love that. James, thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you for that encouragement. It's a great reminder. Um, indeed, Jesus is is my first friend, and he is a true friend, and he is a friend that never fails. And I am friends with Jesus, absolutely. And I'm looking for, um, you know, I'm I'm looking to make a real friend who is a friend in Christ, a sister in Christ, absolutely. And I that counsel, one of the things that really stood out to me and I wrote down uh, from what James said is that uh, I need to, I I wrote down BOLO, B-O-L-O, be on the lookout. Like I need to be on the lookout because God is bringing people into my life and uh, and I need to then take the risk and reach out and um, and continue to put myself out there and just trust that, uh, you know, when it is a friendship that God intends to cultivate, that he will do so. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that. That's a great encouragement. If there are others of you who uh, want to speak into my life and into the lives of one another on this subject, you can call or text 877-933-2484. You can also email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Uh, Nat, anybody else uh, Anybody else on the line, or should I read some of these text messages? Uh, we just have another caller. I have no idea who it is, and we will find out. All right. While Matt finds out, I'm going to read a couple of these text messages again. Thank you guys for participating in this conversation this morning. It's really encouraging to me. Um, uh, So uh, we have, let me see, I've got, um, it looks like Jane is saying uh, that she, oh, you're so kind. Jane wishes that we lived closer so she could be my friend. Um, Really, I genuinely do appreciate that. And those of you who text frequently um, during the show are a great encouragement to me. Uh, and then I've got Valentine uh, Royal. Valentine, I know, lives on the East Coast. And uh, and she talks about here, she says, uh, thank you for trusting us with your heart's desire for one authentic, genuine friend. I think many of us share your prayer request, including me. I moved from California to Maryland, and life can be very lonely. Uh, know that you will be in my prayers daily. Uh, thank you for your ministry, your sister in Christ, Valentine. Thank you, Valentine. Absolutely. Um, and I this this provides me an opportunity to pray for you all as well. I can pray for Cindy and Ann and Jane and Valentine uh, and Jessica and Gabriel. Wow, you guys, it's just rolling in with encouragement uh, today. Thank you so very much. We have uh, John from Twin Harbors right here. I love it, John from Twin Harbors. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for uh, thank you for calling. Hi, Carmen. Yeah, I guess. Um... Uh, I just wanted to call in and one and hopefully encourage you and just um, 
how I guess I'm in a similar spot in my life right now. Now, granted, I'm mid-30s and find myself as probably past 10 years really been struggling with similar uh, similar topic in that one of my closest friends took his own life then, but um, and have had a, just a hard time. I've really only been in a strong friendship like that pre um, pre my Christian life, and so struggling to see what that looks like here. Um, but just wanted to affirm that desire and that we are created for that type of relationship, right? We're created created to desire that t- type of intimate relationship and community with someone else. And, um, and that, that is real. That is good. Uh, that's, that's who we're created to be. And also thank you for your, I guess, vulnerability and transparency and just communicating that to, I mean, frankly, the masses, right? <laughs> everyone's, everyone's. Oh, no, I just tell myself you're, you're the, I just tell myself you're the only person listening. And <laughs> oh, okay, so yeah. I feel like... <laughs> well, I'll have to tell myself that too, as this is pretty nerve wracking for me, but um, well, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say other than that there are others out there kind of working through the same thing, um, but that it is good um, and that we're to have that desire. I just recently kind of put myself out there with someone else at church that we have totally different um, wants and desires and um, I don't know, life experiences and whatnot, but I found just in one conversation with them that we immediately just kind of our souls clicked. It was, um, and then granted we both have young kids. So that was a couple months ago and have yet to hang out again. But, um, I think it's just something we need to be a little more uh, intentional with. I love Um, that. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's such a great encouragement. Thank you so much. And a big shout out to everybody in twin harbors today. We appreciate it. All right. So, um, here are some, uh, here's a list of things that has now, to come in from various and sundry individuals, so I'm making a list. First one is be on the lookout. The second one is be open. The third one is don't forget Jesus is your friend. I Absolutely. Um, and then somebody uh, has uh, has shared this. Get involved. Find something you're passionate about and go get involved uh, in an activity that you care about just for its own sake and see who else might be there. And then, uh, and then there's somebody else who has said, you know, just be diligent, sometimes making a new friend actually takes diligence. Um, absolutely. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to be on the lookout. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be be encouraged that I'm not alone and that you guys are praying for me as well. We got to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, I'm going to be having a conversation with Pastor Robbie Gallaty um, from Long Hollow Baptist Church about his new book, Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. And again, thank you so much for participating in this segment. Uh, those of you who are still texting in your ideas about uh, how I could, you know, put myself out there in terms of finding a friend, I particularly like Justin's recommendation that I get a T-shirt that just says, I need a friend. And if you're interested, please call. <laughs> Although Thank I have you, to Jen. ask, if you put your uh, phone number on a no. T-shirt. Well, you're standing right there. If they see you in a T-shirt, why would you tell them to call? Why wouldn't you just say, say something or buy me a coffee <laughs> or let's talk? Or it's kind of like funny that it says like right call because it's mm-hmm. like saying well i want to make a friend but not right here and right now like i it's kind of funny yeah it's great uh bonnie says matthew 7 7 seek and you shall find uh she says i'm facing the same problem in my life 
really, really appreciate you sharing this on today's show. So don't be afraid to look for friends that are a little younger or a little older. Amen. Thank you, Bonnie. All right. So next up. Um, oh, am I am I supposed to be talking about what's up? What am I supposed to be doing right now, Matt? I completely we're, lost track of my show. We're previewing what our next program. Oh, we're previewing. Be. Oh, fantastic! Robbie Gallaty is uh, is going to be here. Um, he and I are going to talk about his book, Recovered: How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction uh, Led Him to God. Robbie has a big personality, um, and so let me just warn you that when he arrives, it's like the conversation is big. It's a it's. He's energetic, and he's you're going to love him. If you don't know him, if you don't know him yet, he's the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, um, just north of Nashville, Tennessee. He is uh, he is a big personality, Jesus freak, and uh, I think you're going to love him. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Over the past few decades, the internet has revolutionized the way our world works, but with all the good comes the ugly. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Thanks to the web, teens and adults have never had easier access to pornography. In fact, even innocent web surfers are likely to run into graphic images. It used to be that filters and parental controls were enough to keep kids off inappropriate sites. But today's generation is so tech savvy that many of those methods are now obsolete. Still, you're not powerless, so take control. It starts with candid conversations in the tween years about curbing our curiosity and the dangerous pitfalls of porn. Filter or no filter, a well-trained mind and a prudent heart will always be the greatest safeguard. Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. That's parentingtodaysteens.org. I'm thrilled to have Robbie Gallaty back on with us today. Um, if you have not, uh, if you are not familiar with him, Robbie is the senior pastor of the Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Um, he he shares the story of the way that God really radically redeemed him um, and started a ministry called Replicate, and he and I can talk about that as well. Um, he's the author of a lot of books. Um, he has got one called The Forgotten Jesus that I particularly am fond of preaching for the rest of us. He's also got one called Rediscovering Discipleship. Um, Robbie, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So the um, the book that we're talking about today uh, is called Recovered: How an Addict, oh, how how an accident, alcohol, and addiction led me to God. Um, this is really your story. This is really deeply personal. Yeah. Well, the reason I, I really wrote the book is there is an opioid crisis today, Carmen. You know this. We know this. It's not a surprise to us. And sadly, we don't hear a lot of encouraging stories. We don't have a lot of hope. And if you or listening, you know, if you have a family member or a friend who's struggling with this, there really isn't uh, a lot of people experiencing sobriety today, particularly from a Christ perspective or a Christocentric perspective. So that's why I wanted to write the book. The first half of the book is really devoted to my story of just how uh, I get one step forward and two steps backward and uh, loving parents who are supporting me, trying to help me through the process, but just one bad situation after another. And then finally come to faith in Christ. And then I was discipled uh, by a man named David Platt, which many of you probably know. David's an author and a pastor. And uh, I wanted to write the book to really connect with addicts. Here's one of the things I realized. Addicts, they really won't listen to someone who hasn't been where they are. I, I remember when I used to go to counseling, I'd sit across from a, from a counselor or a psychiatrist 
And I would think, uh, you've been in textbooks all your life. You don't know where I've been. But then I would sit with someone who kind of had a PhD in the school of hard knocks, you know, and been where I had been. And, uh, I really resonated with them. So that's really what I do in the first half of the book. The last part of the book really is, uh, I, I would say it's probably worth the whole price of the book because I give eight different steps for people recovering from a price-based perspective. Uh, and I talk to not only those in the middle of the addiction, but I also talk to the parents as well. Uh, so that's really why I wrote the book, to really be a help to people and an encouragement. The book is Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. Robbie Gallaty is not only the author, but it is his story. As I sort of survey what is in here, Robbie, there is this step-by-step process of staying sober, which I was surprised by. I obviously learned a lot just reading that. I think it's important to recognize that when you talk about not only your own experience of addiction, but you talk about your family a lot in here. And you talk about um, those of us who may in the past or may today be enablers. Um, And you, I mean, you really... There, there is good news in here, and some of it is simply the liberation of being able to say, if I have a person in my life who is an addict, I am not their savior. Yeah, that, that, that's the big thing. And so I built the whole storyline of the book around my parents. So the quick story is I was raised very religious home. Uh, parents were Roman Catholic uh, growing up, and we were very good Catholics in the sense of we went to church every week. If we missed church on Sunday, we went to confession on Saturday. And I knew who the Lord was, but I really didn't have a personal relationship with him uh, growing up. It wasn't until later in life that I heard the gospel and really surrendered my life to Christ later in life. But my parents, the book is written around them. And one of the reasons I did that was most of the time in these encounters or situations or stories about addicts, it's always focused on them. And the parents are kind of a sidebar bar story. I wanted to make them part of the story because they really helped me. And here's the deal. After I had gotten addicted to drugs and in my addiction, just for those listening, it wasn't me smoking pot in high school behind a, behind a building. Uh, I was an athlete, so I never did drugs. I was 22 years old. I was coming home from work in an 18-wheeler rear end of me, 65 miles an hour, slammed my car into the guardrail, my seatbelt locked, my back torqued, and I herniated two discs in my neck, two in my back, went to the doctor, 22, never taken drugs. They send me home, Carmen, with four things, Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet. And (laughs) you know the story, right? I mean, I'm addicted to drugs. I'm legitimately in pain. And within three months, I am addicted to drugs. And uh, I start selling drugs and move from pharmaceutical drugs to street drugs. I'm selling heroin and cocaine, buy it in bulk, bag it, sell it, uh, turn it around for a profit. But then I ran out of money, like any addiction. It always takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay. And so I ran out of money. And so I had to resort to stealing and robbing from my own family. And so I'll never forget the day after I'd stole $15,000, stolen $15,000, from my, my, my parents through their credit card. And my mom heard about it. She calls me on the phone. I talk about this in the book. And she's like, Robbie, we found out about what you did. Uh, your father's disappointed and uh, I'm furious. Don't ever come to this house again. And that right there was the turning point in my life. Now, was it the hardest season of my life? Absolutely. But my mom essentially cut me off. And here's what I want to talk to those dealing with an addiction or a family member 
in the middle of this now. Any perpetual drug addiction is always the result of an enabler. You can always trace it back. In my case, it was my dad. Normally, it's it's a mom, but my dad was the enabler. And so I could go to my dad multiple times a month for a, a phone bill or the rent was due multiple times a month, and my dad would have compassion to give me money. He would think he's helping me, but he actually was hurting me. And my mom, who was a tough, you know, had a tough life. She lost her mom at 11 from cancer, raised her three brothers. She grew up quick. Uh, her nickname, we call her the warden with the love of Christ, of course, but we call her the warden. But it was my mom that saved my life. And here's what she did. She cut me off. And essentially for the next three and a half months, I lived hell on earth. I mean, I live without gas, electricity and water, but it was getting so low that actually turned my attention to the Lord. And here's the line I, I want to give because I, I really think this is helpful for people listening. If you keep, and if you're an enabler, listen, if you keep being their savior, Jesus never can be. Because think about it. Like, why would I want to turn to Christ when I could turn to mom? Why would I turn to Jesus when I could turn to dad? Like, dad's going to bail me out. And it was my parents who were unbelievers at the time who had the foresight to say, no, we're going to cut him off. Now, here's the cool story about God. They actually, you'll see in the book, that months later, they actually take me back in, no strings attached by the grace of God, and they extend the grace of God to me in a way that I've never experienced before. They thought, Carmen, they were saving me, hmm. but what God was going to do is years later, by saving me through salvation, God was going to use me to save them spiritually. Hey, Robbie, let's take a let's take a pause right there. I'm talking with Robbie Gallaty. We're talking about his new book, Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. We'll be right back. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? Continuing my conversation now with Pastor Robbie Gallaty. Uh, we're talking about his new book, which is also his story. It's called Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. It is a book about opioids. It is a book about family. It is a book about faith. Um, it is a book uh, that is designed not just for people in addiction, desiring not only to be sober but stay sober, uh, for which it has a really excellent step-by-step uh, -step process. It is for those of us who love people who are addicted, and it's also for those of us whose addiction isn't drugs. Um, Robbie, I'd love for you to talk, uh, address that particular point. Address this issue of all of the life-controlling things that may be a part of our lives, but they're not opioids, so we can't point at them in the culture and say, oh, it's that dark nastiness. But it is a life-controlling sin of some kind that has real control over my life. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, because some people right away listening may say, well, I don't have that drug addiction or I don't know someone struggling with opioids, so this may not be for me. Uh, what I talk about in the book is that addiction really is the sin of idolatry. If you think about it, any addiction of any kind, and, and you're right, uh, drug and alcohol abuse is more public and open, but the reality is we all have addictions. And here's why I say addiction is idolatry. Idolatry is creating something, carving something, viewing something, taking something, if you will, that gives you satisfaction and joy. And in a sense, you bow down and worship to that. You need it. It's a necessity for you to live. The, the satisfaction and joy that 
should come from Christ actually comes from this thing. And so an addiction, in a sense, is a form of idolatry. And so you're finding joy. You need it to live. And so what I would say to you, if you're listening, whether your addiction is drugs or opioid addiction or pornography or uh, addiction of eating or any kind of addiction or food addiction, uh, I would say all the principles are the same. And here's the principle. Sobriety from anything without Christ is a dead end street. Now, what I mean by that? Uh, what I mean is we are obviously because of the sin uh, of, of our forefathers years ago, Adam and Eve, uh, we have inherited this sin nature. It has been passed down generationally to us. And so all of us are sinners who love to sin by nature. You don't have to teach a two-year-old to sin, they're going to sin. And so when you, when I was older in life, I looked and thought I was free. Like I'm a free man. I can do what I want but I was imprisoned by my sin. And so I could have momentary seasons of sobriety and victory, but I would never have long-term sobriety from an addiction. And we know people like this. You ever notice how some addicts, they'll, they'll, they'll see, uh, experience sobriety and they'll have a season of doing well, and then they slip back in. And the reason is this, and here's how I liken it. Before Christ, I was in a prison cell called sin. Now, I can move in the cell and I can see through the bars, but the reality was I was in prison. When I truly surrendered my life to Christ in 2002, I had a radical 24-hour transformation salvation experience. In fact, the day I got saved, Carmen, it was so radical. I went to my dad the next day, who was Catholic at the time, and I said, Dad, uh, God has called me to preach. I'm going into the ministry. My dad looks at me and he doesn't know any bit different. He said, son, how are you going to get married by being a priest? You know, he didn't know. He thought like the necktie and the robe. And I said, <laughs> no, not, not a priest. Dad. I said, I'm, and I didn't even really know what that meant. But the reality is before that, I could try to pull myself out of the addiction by my spiritual bootstraps. And for a season, I could have what seemed to be sobriety, but it would never be long-term. Why? Because I was still in a prison cell. So here's the deal. I, I liken it to the cell. You need someone to come to the prison cell of sin of your life, open the door of the cell so you can now walk free. Now, here's a challenge for some people. Even though Christ has set you free from the bondage of sin, it's up to you to now walk out the cell. <laughs> so many people are free, but they don't live like they're free, right? They're still in bondage, but they don't have to be. And so that's why I really build a case in the book for the need for discipleship. Um, after I came to faith in Christ, I wandered for the next eight, nine months. Uh, I really thought I was invincible. I thought, man, I'm a Christian. I can go back and save two of my friends. And so I went back in the world. Uh, I was preaching on the weekends and I thought, man, I'm, 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 I'm above this addiction. I'm going to go save my friends. And uh, within two weeks of just back in the world, uh, I started sharing Christ with a good friend of mine. His name was Eloy. And I said, hey, man, do you mind if I share Jesus with you? And he says, no, not at all. Do you mind if I roll a joint while you do it? I was like, man, you go for it. I, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And I can't even tell you how it happened, Carmen. But I know two weeks later, I remember coming to, I'm walking on Bourbon Street. I've got a beer bottle in my hand. And I'm going as a Christian to back to his place to snort an eight ball of cocaine. And I don't even know how I got there, but here's what the Lord showed me. I got back on drugs again as a Christian, another two and a half month stint. I, I wasted $28,000 on drugs. 
My addiction was $200 a day at this time. It's only the mercy and grace of God I even made it through that season. But here's what the Lord showed me. No one is immune from the effects of sin. No one. And any one of us can fall in a moment if we don't have healthy parameters in our life. And here's what I know. What took you a lifetime to build in a testimony can be destroyed in a moment. I mean, literally a moment. And that's why we have to have discipleship and relationships of accountability. And so after I came back to the Lord, and it's a really neat story, I came back to the Lord. Every morning I would drive to go score drugs from a guy in the projects uh, down, downtown New Orleans. And I would wake up around 1030 and at around 11 o'clock, I would hit the Daiquiri place on the way. Now, I'm in New Orleans now where drive-by liquor stores are open all the time, right? So I'm driving to go get high, and the girl working at the daiquiri shop is an atheist, pot-smoking unbeliever because she'd never been to church before and never even heard the gospel. But I'm a Christian, albeit on drugs, but I'm a Christian, and I'm sharing Christ with her. So I say, hey— uh, Chrissy, I need the 190 octane uh, drink, which was the strongest thing they make. And, and I say, oh, by the way, do you know that the Bible says Jesus came to the earth, lived a sinless life? Oh, that'd be 450. Okay. And I give him my, do you know the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe, and she'd give me the change back. And I did this for about a month. And one day in the process of sharing Christ with this girl who knew nothing about Christ, God uses her to lean over the counter when she hands me my drink. And here's what she says. This was kind of a lightning bolt in my soul. She said, Robbie, you know, for someone who knows so much about Jesus, you sure don't act like it. Mm. And that was what God used to bring me back to him. Now, here's what's cool. She now, I, I had the privilege of leading her to faith in Christ. I led another friend uh, at the gym to faith in Christ. Those two got married and they're both planning a church in Miami now. So God really was good in that situation. But one of the things I realized, I needed to be discipled. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I go to church one Sunday and I'm wandering around at church. I'm eight months old as a Christian. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know how to pray. I mean, I know the, our father, the Hail Mary, but I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to memorize scripture. I don't even know I should. And I meet this guy who looked really young back then. Uh, he looked like a teenager, although he was older by the name of David Platt. <laughs> now, this is not David Platt, the author of Radical and the former president of the International Mission Board and the pastor of McLean Bible. This is David Platt, the seminary student. And David walks across one Sunday and he says, Robbie, hey, listen, I've been praying. Would you like to meet once a week to study the Bible, memorize scripture and pray? For the next two years, Carmen, we met twice a week, every week for prayer and Bible study. And the reason I say that is this, the reason I think God has brought me to where I am today is a direct result of discipleship years before. And so I try to make a big case in the book for the need for that. Robbie, you and I are going to leave it right there. Um, and we're going to direct people to the book. Uh, there is more of this in Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol and Addiction Led Me to God. Robbie Gallaty is the author and the foreword is by David Platt. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, again, thank you so much uh, for taking us along today in whatever portion of your ride of life is happening right now. Really appreciate it. Um, have a great, great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.